Thanks for joining us. My name is Jonathan Storman. I'm the preaching minister at the Pleasant Valley Church of Christ. Welcome to the series Wednesday Night Conversations. Whenever you're listening to them, we've brought in some of the best thinkers in church leadership and ministry, specifically on issues that we care about as a church, like racial reconciliation and evangelism and being an intergenerational church. If you're a part of PV or if you're outside of Pleasant Valley or even outside of Arkansas, I hope that this series will be as much a blessing to you as it has been to me. PV. So we are concluding our two-part conversation with Brother Rubel Shelley from last week. If you haven't got a chance to watch that, um, last week he shared a story of his father being diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. And it was at the same time that Rubel was working on a book that many of us have read, um, I Just Want to Be a Christian. And it was radical in the kind of background of Churches of Christ that he had been working in, and so we wanted to share that with his dad. Um, that's the story that he had just told when we went to break for the week last week, and then he's going to come back and share a little bit more of that story again. Again, this is uh, the second part of a two-part series with Brother Rubel. If you didn't get a chance to watch the one that went live last week, uh, I would recommend watching that one first, but this is the, I'm not going to come back and do a conclusion because Brother Rubel closes it out, I think, really well with a blessing for us um, and encouragement to be the people of Jesus in Little Rock. I hope that this blesses you as much as it did me. And this is, this is an off-the-cuff question, but do you know where the idea comes from? Because I, I think it's pretty peculiar with our tribe that God's grace can cover our moral errors, but not our doctrinal errors. Boy, if, if you can document the taproot of that, but yeah, it, it really is a matter of thinking. Yeah, I, you know, I, I sometimes maybe I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit brusque, or I lose my temper. Yeah, sometimes I use a word I shouldn't, or sometimes I think so. Well, God's grace is going to help me with that, but I have to be doctrinally perfect. Right. I, I, I don't know where that came from. Can I tell you one more story about my daddy? I yes. think it this I think it was three, maybe four days before he died, and, and he's he's getting so weak in those last three or four days. And we're not doing a lot of talking, and he's just having to be quiet. He's resting, he's at peace. Um one afternoon he's been he's been sort of taking naps and dozing. I'm sitting beside his bed in the hospital on a little rollaway bed and I'm reading and um, daddy's eyes open and he looks up at the ceiling and without really turning to look at me, he, he just said, Rubel, I'm getting so weak. He said, I, I just, I, I know I can't live many more days like this. And he paused a minute and he said, I just hope when I stand before the Lord, I've done enough that he's going to be able to say, I shot up off that rollaway bed like you'd put a hot poker to my back. And I, 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 I mean, frankly, I, I glowered at him and, and, and I'm, I might have scared him. I, I know I, I looked angry. And I said, Daddy, how dare you say that? No, you're the best man that I'll ever know, but you haven't done enough. I haven't done enough. Nobody's ever done enough. 
You're saved by the blood of Jesus and your ticket is punched by God's grace shown in Jesus. And when you stand before the Lord in judgment, you're accepted on the merits of what Jesus has done and the fact that you are his child. That's you're right. God through Jesus. And, and, and he, he teared up and his eyes got red and he said, I don't know why I said that. He said, I, I, I know better than that. I, I, I know that I'm not good enough. I said, Daddy, I'm not mad at you. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry that I, I know I look angry. I'm not mad at you. I'm mad at me. And I'm mad at every preacher who's ever preached what we call the gospel in a way that would make someone like you and other people, the best people I've know, uh, I've ever known, in the last days of their life, maybe on, on their deathbeds as, as you are, feel insecure as they're looking death in the face because we've not taught the gospel in the tone of grace. We've taught it in the tone of guilt. Yeah. And we really good conversation about grace, which is a subject, frankly, in the little church I grew up in, we didn't talk about grace. I sometimes say grace was the blue eyed blonde two counties over, but, but <laughs> grace is not at the heart of our theology. It has been in the theology that I've found in Christ and in the gospels. Yeah. And, uh, that, that's, that's what the people at Pleasant Valley, that's the people at Woodmont Hills, that's the people wherever I, I teach or preach anywhere. That's what they're going to hear from me because that's the message of Christ. That, that's the good news. It's not good news to say you've got a snowball's chance in hell. It's not good news right. to say that's enough. right. The good news is Jesus has done everything and you put your full weight and trust and confidence down on him and you're safe because of who he is. Um, that, that's my hope. That's, that's your hope. I, that's I, in that Pleasant Valley. I resonate so much with that, what you just said. Um, I, I mean, I've heard my dad say almost exactly that. And mm -hmm. one of the things I've heard senior saints at PB say that, and it makes me mad at, you know, people like me um, because yeah. they, we preach that kind of message to grow our church for ego purposes. You yeah. know, like, it, if you come here, then you're right, and you're more right than the church down the road, most often a church of Christ down the road. We're saved because we're right. We're all wrong. We're all sinners. We're saved because God has graciously reached to us through Christ and right. cleansed by his blood. And that, that's the good news. I mean, that's the gospel. So, I mean, your dad, and even more so my dad, the older they lived in that pivot generation that, that the gospel wasn't made clear, and, and not just in our context. I, I have a good friend, um, L.H. Harwood, Pentecostal preacher here in Nashville for years. He and I were telling our stories like this, and he said, Rubel, I grew up in the same environment. He said, you guys in Churches of Christ didn't patent that. He said, right. I grew up feeling like I'm never going to be able to do enough. I'm never going to be able to get it right enough. I'm never going to be able to feel secure. And he said, finally, I understood that my hope was in the gospel, the good news mm -hmm. of Jesus. And uh, that's, if we're not preaching that, we're, we're not preaching uh, what is going to draw people to the cross and to see the love of God and the, 
bloodstained face of Jesus and want to come to him and throw themselves on the mercy of God and to say, I, I accept as a free gift what uh, I, I could never deserve, what I could never earn. Thank you. You know, when I say I believe almost everything I used to believe, but for deeper and better reasons, one of those is baptism, because, uh, and I don't, I talk about baptism much differently than I did when I was, you know, in high school or whatever. Let me cut in and say, I teach baptism not as the last step in our move to God, but as the gift of God's grace to affirm to us how real salvation is. That's it. it is physical symbol of washing in water that as Peter says, but it, it, that's the symbol of what really is happening in you because the blood of Christ cleanses the real guilt. And on, on the basis of the merits of his blood, you're saved. Unlike you, I, I don't minimize baptism. I teach baptism with an emphasis and an importance and a sweetness now, not yeah. as that if you don't do it and get it right and say the right words over it, it might not work. Baptism is not magic. Baptism is right. confession and claim against the death of Jesus. And in the death and burial and resurrection as we enact it, we're born from above the water and the spirit. It's a gift of grace. It's not a good work we do to earn that's it. That's right. That, so that's even that. Like, how did, how did we get... Uh, there's a, a senior saint at PV that everybody would know uh, named Randy Hughes. And he said recently publicly, he said, when we got into the baptism argument about if you're not baptism, if you're not baptized for the right reasons in the right place, we lost the argument about Jesus. He seemed Bye, to think somebody. that was when. We yeah. Yeah. I actually, I actually had a preacher here in Nashville tell me that if you were not baptized, in a church of Christ, at the hands of a church of Christ preacher, you could not possibly be a child of God. Mm -hmm. I mean, we were at lunch, and I, I didn't lose my lunch, but I, I don't think I could any more of it. I mean, that's that, that's not gospel. That's sectarianism. It's bigotry. It's arrogance. Mm. The gospel is to be received in humility, and the good news right. is. Yes, baptism is important. Yes, baptism is necessary to faith, but it's because faith in the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ has me confessing it. And that's right. all I'm baptism. And acting I, it out, yeah. Yeah, under the symbol. It's, it's, it's like, well, communion is the same thing. It's the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. It's the body and the blood. Yeah. It's not... Well, if you do it with enough containers and enough and the right people passing and the right kind of prayer, no, no, no. The power of the communion is you are participating in, that's Paul's language, you're participating anew, you're renewing the covenant in the bread and the wine. Mm -hmm. When you come here, you are being reminded of God's grace to you. Communion is not a human performance, it's a divine gift. Baptism is that's not. Right. Human step, it's a divine gift of grace. You don't even do anything. You somebody does something to you. You're I mean, past, you're yeah. Past, yeah, yeah. yeah. The, you know the Jewish washings in the Old Testament; they were self-administered. Huh. I have to go passive. Yeah, and Jonathan. If you, if you were to baptize me, I, you could kill me if you wanted to. You know, because I <laughs> yeah. Or you. But it, it symbolizes the trust we have in the cross. 
in, in yielding myself over to being put under the water, which is life-threatening, but knowing I'll be raised up, I'm trusting that because of Jesus, yes, I, I'm dead to an old life. One day I'll, I'll die to this mortal frame, but I will be raised up to new life and I'll be raised up to the new heaven and the new earth. Not because I figured it out and am doing everything in my life correctly, but because this is God's promise to me. And by faith, I've accepted that. Faith is the heart of this relationship. Trust is the heart of this relationship because it all depends on God. And all the world faith is, it is, is to say, God, I believe you, but you don't believe it if, if you don't what walk the talk. Talking the talk's one thing, sure. but you walk the talk here when your faith becomes even obedient and submissive. I'll never be submissive enough. I'll never be obedient enough. I'll never get my theology or my spiritual life perfect. But that's not the basis of my salvation. The basis of my salvation is the promise of God that what Jesus has done is sufficient, more than sufficient. Right. Of our have you heard? Have you heard the Martin? Oh, I'm sorry. No. Have you, have you heard the Martin Luther quote that the first thing a Christian needs to do in the morning is wake up, wash their face, and remember their baptism? No, but I like it. Yeah, because the the baptism is God's promise to you. I mean, it's the water is a you know it's a sacramental reminder of. It's a gift of grace. It's it's not like some people, and, and I think they would have gotten this impression because we were teaching it with such ferocity. Baptism is not what we do to be accepted. Baptism is God's gift of grace to us in which he enfolds, accepts, affirms to us. That's that right. Is sufficient even for us. You know, Brother Rubel, one of the things, and I, I came by this honest, my parents are evangelistic. I love watching people who are on the margins of life, people who have addictions, and, you know, not just that's outside. I know it's also in church as well, but I love watching people come to faith. And so I am, I've always been very passionate about evangelism. Um, but one of the things that I realized, PV, we really want to make evangelism a big deal. Um, but mostly, I be Christ's people. Yeah, but go ahead. <laughs> yeah. So I I feel like one of the things that uh, is happening right now is that we feel we feel guilty about not doing evangelism. And what I would like to do is almost what your original Tulsa workshop talk was um, is I I, just, I keep I feel like I keep evangelizing our people so that they'll know it's really good news. Because you don't have to tell people to share a funny joke. You don't have to tell people to share about a movie that they found beautiful and brilliant or a novel that they uh, were just enraptured by. And I feel like one of the symptoms of churches that um, the gospel hasn't quite taken root in the good news that it is, is that evangelism is not just a natural overflow of people's life. Um, the, you know, the, um, one of the one of the ways that the gospel that I grew up with, that the problematic nature of it was, it was it was both anxiety producing and comforting. It was comforting in a way that 
it didn't seem like God cared that much about what I did with the rest of my week, except yeah. for three three times a week if we did that right. Um, but it was also anxiety producing because you were only as saved as the most confident person who disagreed with you. Yeah. yeah. Does that make, does that ring true to your experience too? It does. And I, I, I just, I wrap all that up in the term legalism. It, it, it's, you're, you're looking for the right formula. You're looking for sort of like a mathematical problem. You're trying to get all your digits right up here so that when you draw the line at the bottom, salvation is is the sum total of everything you've done and, and thought it, it's that, that's backward uh, look at the way god dealt with israel the, the the people who were enslaved in egypt were not delivered uh the ten commandments and told now when you get these things worked out in your lives boys i will rescue you that's right yeah but it's, he sends a deliverer moses that is going to be a type of Jesus to us. And he mm -hmm. leads them out and he rescues them. He saves them from their slavery and then gives them the 10 commandments to say, now guys, here's, here's what it would look like for you to live the covenant. Now, can we get on with that now that I've claimed you for myself? The, the good news of the gospel is God is, God is reaching to us to claim us uh, by what Jesus has done. And it's not, if you, if you work out enough that, that you can do everything right, have it figured out, he might accept you. He will accept you. And now then he'll be patient with you as you grow or go back to Mark 8 and the two touch parable, uh, which by the way, clearly in Mark is the disciples have a fuzzy insight. Right. And he's trying to sharpen it up. That's why I call it an acted parable. That's, that's the way God wants to deal with all of us. He, he will accept us by his grace, and then he will, he will work with us as we grow into some degree of maturity. And, and, and we won't be fully mature uh, until at the appearance of Christ, the final redemption of the mm -hmm. planet, cosmos, and us by grace. It, it is of grace, and we accept that through our faith, which has us being as obedient as we know to be as any given moment, uh, doing all that we know to do. And yet some of the things we, we do are incorrect. Some of the understandings are wrong, but God's not dealing with us based on how we are doing, but on what Christ has done. That's I, right. find, I find not just comfort, I find joy in that. And, and the preaching that I grew up with to sort of piggyback another point that I heard you making was we had to, had to preach, you know, how terrible hell was, and, and you better run to God to flee hell. Most people know they're in a living sort of hell because of the mess their lives are in, and you talked mm. about addiction. I've, I've worked a lot. In fact, was on the phone last night with a family working with them about a child who's having some really serious problems. Most people know their lives are a mess, and they need something. So yeah. I, don't, I don't need to preach guilt and shame i need to preach jesus as the hope for deliverance and forgiveness and hope for the future mm -hmm. and that's that's good news and people can respond to that and say i know what a mess i am is there any hope that i could ever be rescued that's the good news 
So since I've been at PV, in closing, I, I really appreciate you taking so much time with me this morning, Brother Rubel, but since I'm I've been, glad to do at, it. At, since I came back to Little Rock, I have had my mind changed by these people as well. Um, there's some things that I had uh, kind of forgotten, like how much reverence matters, you know, that Jesus is not my boyfriend. There is a sense in which um, reverence is a really important thing. I, I get to preach to people who really care a lot about honoring God, and they also take care of each other. Like yeah. um, the the boundary markers in our healthiest churches were not so much, and, and part of it is, is the sectarian time we went through. There's some good stuff that came out of that you know like we didn't get into the religious right and moral majority because we you know we've got problems but we don't have the same problems as some other yeah. american evangelical christians who are our brothers and sisters but you know we just have a different culture but one of the things i love about um pv is if you know as we as we focus on jesus and we say those boundary markers while we may still do some of those those are not at the center of the gospel one of the things i would say jesus does is he gives a new boundary mark to a bunch of jews who are used to circumcision circumcision um you know being whatever group that he gives a boundary marker of by this the world will know you are my disciples if you love one another and yeah, they do a really good job with that 35 passage i've got that one in my mind too I, I don't always live up to it but that's the boundary marker that's we're it. supposed to be the alternative community to the world the world is under the rule of the prince of darkness the world is still competing and combative the church is supposed to be the family of god and and that's hey family our brothers and sisters are nuisances sometimes, but hey, my big brothers were in my blood family, but we're family. And in any given moment of need, I'm there for him. He's there for me. We, we've got to live this community, family, loving the Father enough that, that we love each other and realize that there's more room at the Father's table than maybe we saw. And mm -hmm. folk, folks outside our and we're such a small tribe and we're getting smaller. Um, the, God's heart is not just focused on our little tribe. Thank God. He does love us and he has borne with us through all of these twists and turns and restoration history. But he's, he's bearing with other people too. And, sure. and the gospel, the light of the gospel is piercing the darkness in other people's lives through other preachers than you and me and other churches right. than you and I know best. God's bigger than our little um, focus uh, will allow us sometimes to see. We're not the only ones who have this problem. Other folks yeah, are bad. Sure. But, we've, but the, 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 the enemy is big enough. We've got to quit fragmenting ourselves and being small. Sorry. I have five kids. We have five kids. And, um, so I, I, I feel like um, this has been really, really helpful for me. 
I love these people, and I don't just mean PV. I mean, these are my people. Church of the Christ raised me. They paid for me to go to Harding when I was growing up poor. So I want to bloom where I've been planted by God. And, and since you have been such an influence, influential voice in our tribe and, and in my life from afar, as we close, what's the gospel that we need to keep front and center as a church John, of Christ? But I've had much influence. To, I'm grateful to know that you and I have had a relationship that I wasn't even aware of. Pleasant Valley Church has such a positive reputation in your part of the world, and, and I value what little time in days past I've, I've had with you. You are known, in my opinion, from what I've known of you in the past, as a place that is a loving, warm church. Whatever it is out of the past that we share, out of the 50s, 60s, whatever, that's made us narrow, let's, let's expand our, our vision to have our eyes a little bit wider to see God acting in places where we didn't take him. Jesus has permission to go places that, that I didn't take him, to act in the life of somebody I didn't teach and they didn't hear it from us. The Spirit of God can quicken conviction in somebody's heart, bring somebody to the gospel that's never heard of churches of Christ. Let's be who we are in a healthy, positive way so that our message is never ourselves. We've, we've made the message ourselves. I told a friend the other, the other day, I grew up in a church where the issue was our process and the way we processed scripture and the way we interpreted scripture and the, the, the systematic way we read it. I, I'm grateful that I read scripture, but I finally realized the scripture and everything that's in there was designed to point me to Jesus and say, see Jesus. Jesus didn't come and pass out Bibles and say, see the book, figure it out. The, the sermons and the preaching and the letters, see Jesus and follow him. And if Pleasant Valley is doing that, affirming everybody else who's doing that in good faith, you are living the gospel, that soft evangelism, I call it. It's living the faith, uh, showing people light in the dark places that gives you the opportunity then to share the gospel of, of what Jesus wants you to do is a living faith to come to him, to affirm him, uh, to accept the gift that he has given us in salvation. And in that process, I hope you have a long, fruitful ministry there, Jonathan, and I hope that church affirms and embraces the gospel so that whether, you know, whoever has been there in the past, somebody plants and others have watered and God will get the increase. Uh, you guys work together in that Little Rock um, Arkansas environment to, to be lights and to hold up Jesus, Jesus, not yourself, hold up right. Jesus gospel as, as the hope that the world needs in this confused global pandemic, social injustice, uh, dark time that, that we are living through. Gospel's our only hope. That, that, that is a wonderful parting word. Brother Rubel, thank you so much for your time. And as soon as this pandemic is over, I want to have you come preach at PV in person. I'll do all I can to work it in. Thanks, guys. God bless you, Pleasant Valley. Thanks for letting me meet you tonight.